Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. 
praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, this is your sister Pearl tonight on Reaching Out Radio International. In the word with Sister Pearl, I am so excited and happy to be back with you. We were gone for a little bit, but we are very grateful to uh, the woman of God, Evangelist Montel Fields, the visionary behind this ministry. I always like to honor her because we wouldn't have Reaching Out Radio without her. So we just thank God for raising her up, especially in the days that you and I are living in. I pray that um, she'll be very blessed, her family, and everyone who is listening to this broadcast tonight. Um, What a privilege to be with you. As I'm speaking now in America, the U.S., today is September the 19th, 2021. And um, we are on every continent except for probably Antarctica. But tonight, I want to give a very special greeting and a shout-out, a welcome to the new nations that we have with us, and that is Laos, Tunisia, Latvia, Republic of Serbia, Guatemala, Slovenia, Russia, Senegal, Croatia, Belize, Singapore, Bahamas, Kuwait, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Bahrain, Nepal, Pakistan, Puerto Rico, France, Bangladesh, South Korea, Liberia, Finland, Barbados, Iceland, St. Vincent, Vietnam, St. Lucia, and Martinique. Praise God. So welcome, welcome, welcome to each and every one of you. Tonight, I'm going to be speaking, I'm going to go straight into the message, and I'm going to be speaking from the gospel according to um, the disciple John. I'm going to be reading from chapter 6, verses 25 to 68. It's interesting how applicable this particular portion of scripture is to the very times in which you and I are living in. Now, during Christ's era, the people loved following him when he performed the miracles of feeding over 5,000 by blessing and multiplying a mere two fish and five loaves. They marveled at how effortlessly he had ability to walk on water, told them that they would have to eat the living bread who came down from heaven. Many of them began to grumble and to doubt him. They liked Jesus when he did the signs and the wonders. However, they demonstrated disbelief when he spoke about the confidence they needed to have in him to raise them up at the very last day. All of a sudden, fear began to grip them, just as is happening with many who claim to be believers today. We need to talk about this and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us in this very hour. Now, the most fascinating book in all the world to me is the Holy Bible. It is unlike any other religious book in the entire world. You and I are living in some of the most exciting yet challenging times in the history of mankind. And you might ask me, well, why are you saying that? Simply because we are witnessing the prophecies of scriptures coming to pass right before our very eyes. 
It was prophesied in the Old Testament that God the Father would send his son into the world. And in the New Testament, we receive the fulfillment of that prophetic promise in the person of Jesus, who is the Christ. And Christ means Messiah, the anointed one. The word of God is his inspired word, meaning he breathed tension into the hearts and minds of men devoted to him and revealed his divine will and plan for us through his infallible word. I want us to take a much closer look at the passage in John chapter 6, in which we're going to delve into this evening. But before I do that, I want to pray, pray for you that are listening, pray for me that is sharing the word of God tonight, pray for you that might be troubled, might be going through all sorts of, facing all sorts of challenges in your life, perhaps you're being troubled in your mind, in your emotions, maybe even in your physical body. I just want to pray that as I share the word that God has given me tonight, that you will be in a place where you can really listen and be comfortable and be clear in your mind to hear what God is speaking to his people tonight. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come. I come humbly, knowing that I am nothing, but that you are everything. Your word has everything that we need in it to give us instructions, to give us direction, uh, to bring healing, to bring insight to how we're supposed to live in these, these days that are so challenging. Father God, we thank you that um, you are a God that you make no mistake. And if you allowed us to be alive right now at this day that we're living in, no matter what nation we live in, no matter what continent, no matter what condition that we happen to find ourselves in, we know that you have a plan and you have a purpose. And we know that your plan for us is good. You desire to bless and not to curse. You desire to lift and not to put down. You desire to save. You desire to to do wonderful things because that's just the kind of heavenly father that you are. I ask that you would anoint me once again, that I can bring forth this word in such a way that would honor you, in such a way that you would be pleased. And the people that listen would get a breakthrough. They would get some kind of clarity to help them along this journey. I pray that if there's anybody listening that still has not known you, as their Lord and their Savior, that before the close of this hour, that they would be so happy to humble themselves and to draw near to you, to repent of their sins and to invite your Holy Spirit to just come in and to be the Lord of their lives. God, captivate the hearts of men and women today. Young men, young women, boys and girls, anybody and everybody who's listening, we know that you desire for none to perish, but that all would come to saving uh, knowledge and grace in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so I'm going to go straight into uh, the scriptures and I'm going to be reading uh, from the NIV, the New International Version. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 6. This is the Gospel of John. There are four Gospels in the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm going to be reading from the fourth Gospel, the book of John. Um, chapter 6, and I'm starting from verse 25. 
We're talking about Jesus being the bread of life. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Verily, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works of God that he requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I'll raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learn from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died.
but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he has before? He was before. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So I just read John chapter 6, verses 25 through 69. Now, if you're like many listening to this broadcast, you may be wondering or have possibly considered whether or not you should move or relocate someplace else, perhaps move upstate, find another state or province, another country, or go straight across the globe to another continent altogether. Of course, the very first thing I would recommend you as your sister in Christ is to seek God about any big decision like that. Never simply move to a place simply because it looks good. Now, I'm going to definitely go over John chapter 6. Don't worry. We're going to go over this together. I'm going to explain because it does sound kind of strange Jesus talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, what does that really mean? What does that really look like? We're going to go over that. We're going to to delve into that. But before we even do that, I know a lot of people, because of what you're experiencing in the world today, in most of the nations around the world, there's been so much pressure. There's been so many strange things that are going on that that's the reason I ask you the question that perhaps you're considering moving, you know, relocating from where you presently are because of all the kinds of strange things that are happening in our world today. I just want you to remember, if you're going to make any kind of a big move, like moving your location, always seek God first. Never simply move to a place simply because it looks good or it sounds better than the place where you are right now. I want you to remember Lot in the Old Testament, who was Abraham's, and in those days before he was called Abraham, Abram's nephew. When Lot had the opportunity to separate from his uncle Abram, because there was fighting among his uh, shepherds and Abram's shepherds, Lot did not seek God's wisdom nor advice. Instead, the Bible tells us that Lot chose what he considered to be the best. Literally, it says like this, I believe it's in um, Genesis chapter 13, and verse 10 says, Lot looked around 
and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Now, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So to learn about the entire story in context, I want you, when you have the opportunity, you know, whenever you have a chance, just read Genesis 13 when it's possible. And then you'll get the full story in context. But, of course, after some time passed and Lot moved to Sodom and Gomorrah, it was the very same Abram, his uncle, who had to plead with God to rescue his nephew Lot from the fiery judgment that was surely on its way to destroy those twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, here's a quick lesson for you. This is not our main lesson. Our main lesson is found in John chapter 6. But this is just a quick side lesson. Why did Lot consult with his uncle Abram and confer with him before he just took the portion which was pleasing to his eyes? After all, Lot was younger than Abram, and he should have deferred to his older uncle, who was like a second father to him, after his own father, Aaron, Haran, H-A-R-A-N, died back in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. However, like so many Lot didn't show much gratitude to his uncle and just was basically about taking care of himself and what he felt was his. Always be grateful to God first and then grateful for the people that he has placed to care for you and to look out for you. Always be grateful to those who really deserve your respect. Don't make presumptuous moves especially in 2021. Rightly discern how God is leading you. And if you're not sure, wait on him to make things clear before you proceed. Once he gives you the green light, go straight ahead and do not linger. This is a word for somebody who's listening right now. Timing is of key importance when you make such moves, especially in the times that you and I are living and operating on. Now, in John chapter 6, Jesus is not only God who walked the earth. When he walked the earth, he was fully man, yet fully God, but he often spoke prophetically. Now, while I've studied John chapter 6 many times in the Bible, Reading, I believe the Lord gave me some new and additional insight into the portion of Scripture that we read a while ago. And again, that is John chapter 6. We as the children of God must be more concerned with drinking from him and eating what he has to offer, which is his very life. Now, of course, the Lord Jesus did not mean that we you and I become cannibals and start eating his literal flesh, but instead he spoke of us consuming him. As a buyer, you know, we're called consumers. And that means that we're so interested in this particular product that we want to go and buy it. We're called consumers. Now, God wants us to consume the Lord Jesus. We should be so enamored, so taken up with him that we're partaking of everything that he is, everything that he offers to us, our very lives, 
our minds, our hearts, our ambitions need to be filled with Jesus. This is clearly what he's speaking about in John chapter 6. He says, I want you to eat my flesh and drink of me, my blood. However, in verse 51, when he said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Now, this bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. I just read verse 51. I'm going to read it one more time. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, he was speaking literally in this instance of himself being the living bread that came down from heaven and was given for the life of the entire world. Now, by his shed blood on Calvary's cross and his broken body being sacrificed on that cross to pay the penalty for my sin and your sin, then he absolutely and literally fulfilled the breaking of his body in order that you and I could receive the free gift of salvation provided in his atoning for our sins, our sickness, and everything which was cursed. Let me just put it like this. You and I are guilty before God who is holy. We have done things in our life that have gone against the will of God, and we have violated his commands for us, the way that he wanted us to live, you and I were not living like that before we came to know Jesus and to love Jesus and to follow Jesus and to have his Holy Spirit come and live inside of us. We were doing every position to God. We were sinning against God. Sinning means that we're missing the mark. God has a certain standard that he wants you and I to follow. But when we miss that mark, it's called sinning. So all of us are guilty of, of, of sin. And sin brings sickness along with it. And it brings a curse. Now, Jesus, when he walked on the earth, fully God, fully man, he lived his life with the full intention that he was going to allow his life to be the sacrifice for what you and I did. In other words, he was guiltless, we were guilty. He was blameless because he committed no sin, but you and I committed lots of sins. And so the only blood that God the Father would accept as a sacrifice in place of what you and I have done was the sinless blood of his son, the Lord Jesus. And so he literally gave his blood and allowed his just body to be sacrificed. And he allowed himself 
to hang on a cross and to pay the penalty, very costly penalty, but it was only one kind of blood that God the Father would accept, and that was the pure, guiltless blood of Jesus. So now when Jesus spoke in this way, many of those who were previously following him, you know the crowd, at least 5,000 men, Gospel of John says in chapter 6, at least 5,000 of those people following him were men. Of course, the crowd was bigger because they also were women and children there. But when they began to hear Jesus talk about how we would have to eat of his flesh and that he was the living bread and that, you know, this kind of tripped them up. This kind of got them confused. They began questioning Jesus. And how many of you listening to this radio broadcast right now are going to allow the enemy of your soul to trip you up right here? See, you and I, like, you know, we like Jesus to do the miraculous and turn a very small amount of food in the natural. We love to see him do that. We enjoy being taken care of and have our natural needs met, such as having enough food to eat so that we do not become hungry. Or if you're already hungry, we can have him provide us with the necessary sustenance so we can eat to our heart's content. Now, I'm now of the opinion that when the 5,000 plus people heard him start speaking of himself being the bread, that is when they got turned off. They preferred the handout of natural bread, loaves of bread, and they preferred the flesh of the fish. Surely Jesus had the power to do the miraculous with the little bit that a boy had in his lunch basket to feed thousands who came to hear Jesus teach that day. But here's the big exchange. None of the 5,000 plus had to exercise any faith in Jesus. Listen up. Listen carefully. They did not exercise any faith in Jesus to have him perform the miracle of multiplying so little and make it so very much. Jesus did everything for them. Now, when he walked on the water later that day, none of the disciples, none of those 12 disciples exercised faith in order for Christ to be able to walk on water. Jesus did it all. Are you with me? However, Jesus knew that there was coming a day when he wouldn't be with them in the natural realm. He wouldn't be with them so that he can physically hold the bread and thank his heavenly father for the bread and then break it so that it might be distributed to feed the masses. He knew, Jesus knew, that there would be coming a day when bread would be hard, if not impossible, to come by. What would his disciples do then? They would have to be accustomed to eating of his living bread and drinking of his blood so that he would raise them up in the last day. Because he said, I'm going to read it again, verses 54 and 55 of John 6. Whoever eats 
my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up the last day. So what exactly is Sister Pearl saying? I'm just restating what Christ taught his disciples. This is not the time and the day for us to think about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink in the natural. In Matthew 6, 31 to 34, Jesus told us, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, hear me now, for the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father, he knows, he knows that you need them. But seek first. Now, this is the order. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What we, you, and I have to concern ourselves with is being obedient and faithful to his command and follow his directions in this hour. And we're already in, listen to me, in this hour. Notice that he said, seek his kingdom first, and then after, all that we need to fulfill his plan for our lives will be given to us. I believe that's what he means in Matthew six thirty-one and 34, that as we seek his kingdom first, Everything that you and I need to fulfill his plan for our lives will, no doubt about it, be given to us. We are not, not to worry. We're not to worry. I want to go back just a little bit for those of you that are still stuck on Jesus saying that we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. We do. But the same way that the Bible talks about in Psalm 91, and it talks about how he will uh, put his, he will, he will protect us under his wings and place his feathers over us. Now, we all know that Jesus is not talking about God being some big bird. It's a metaphor that he is taking us under his wings and covering us with his feathers. But he is not, God, I repeat, is not big bird. He's God. He is the ancient of days. 
He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the one who gives us life. He's the creator. He's everything that we need. But when he talks about in John, he is literally talking about the fact that he had to offer his flesh, his literal flesh, and he had to shed his literal blood for you and for me. That's why the Lord's Supper is so important for us to remember. And the Lord's Supper, we can find that in all four Gospels, and then again we read about it in um, Paul tells the church in, in Corinth, you know, how they are to celebrate and how they are to, to honor the Lord and remember the Lord and what he did for us. I believe that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so, but what does it really mean for us to drink of his blood and, and on, a, on, a, on, a, on a regular basis? That we are, and what does it mean for us to eat again of his flesh? To digest, and we are to eat his word, we're to drink his word, we're to digest his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so what am I saying? To literally get a holy Bible and start eating it? Of course not. But what, what I'm saying is that we are to be, you know, the same way that we're putting in our bodies and our physical bodies, we're to feed our spirits constantly now, especially now, through his word, digesting his word, drinking his blood. Accepting what his blood does for us. I remember that I was once in a very um, hostile situation where one of my friend's little children had gone too near to a rabid dog that was on a chain. But that chain looked very, very loose. And it looked at that, like if that dog made one big jerk, he would have ripped that chain and only the Lord knows what he would have done to that little three-year-old. And his mother and I just watched in horror. And I remember, and I think of it now with tears, the power that's in the name of Jesus and in the blood of Jesus. I remember I said, the blood of Jesus. And if you were there, you would have been shocked to see that rabid dog calm instantaneously. I am not exaggerating. And there is no magic for me to use the term the blood of Jesus or even to say the name of Jesus. There's no magic in that. But I belong to Jesus. That's the difference. Somebody working in witchcraft can also say, you know, the blood of Jesus. But guess what? That's not going to help them. Okay? That's not going to help them at all. It's not going to help them. If you are constantly drinking in 
from the source, which is Jesus. If you're constantly, you know, digesting his word and his word uh, becomes a part of you, then you can call on his word and you can, you can call on the name. You can, you can plead the blood of Jesus and there's power in the blood of Jesus. Now, let's go back to our story. We, I, I want to repeat what I just said a little while ago, that you and I really need to concern ourselves in 2021 with being obedient and faithful to his command, which is seeking his kingdom first. Aware that his disciples, verse 61 of John 6, were grumbling about this, I repeat, Jesus said to them, does this really offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before, go back into the heavens and to be with his heavenly Father? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Words I've spoken to you, they're full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus is known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. I'm not even going to get into the whole thing with Judas right now. That's for another message. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. So from this time, many disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And I'm going to say to those of you that are listening, in whatever nation, in whatever continent, even in the own, my own country, United States, where I was born and I live right now, a lot of people, because the Bible doesn't say a few of his disciples, it said many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. What are you going to do today? Because the pressure is on like never before. So Jesus asked his 12, you do not want to leave too, do you? And Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the only, you're the holy one of God. Now, Peter's words make up the title of tonight's message, because tonight's message is entitled, Lord, to whom shall we go? I want you and I to stay right here at Peter's response for a couple of minutes because Peter posed one of the very best questions imaginable. He actually mimicked his master's style because many times in his response, when people would ask Jesus a question, the Lord replied by asking them a question. So in like fashion, I'd like to pose the question to you that are listening to this broadcast. Where exactly are you going? And who will you be trusting in these unprecedented times? Who are you looking to for sustenance? What wells are you drinking from? And what type of flesh are you eating? To whom are you looking to to give you life, health? And strength. Whose voices are you listening to when the great majority of people in the world have been placed in a very precarious position and place right now? People feel unrightly pressured to do and accept things that are adamantly 
in opposition to what they would like. Yet still want to be able to work and earn a salary so that they can feed themselves and their families. They want to be able to breathe naturally, unhindered by unrealistic demands. Now, we should have learned by now that the only government which is righteous is God's government. I repeat, the only government on planet Earth which is righteous is God's government. So there must be a posture. There's got to be a stance, a position that you and I must take in order to succeed in this present time. Now, in John's Gospel, chapter 6, there were two types of people. Those who truly belonged to Jesus and were committed to the death versus those who really were not gathering around Christ. Well, they they were gathering around Christ just to see him perform the signs and the wonders, but they were not interested in him. You want me to repeat that? I'm going to repeat that. There were two kinds of people in that chapter, two types of people. The ones that really heard Jesus and they wanted Jesus, they loved Jesus, they were committed to the death, to be with Jesus, and then there were others who were just gathering around him so he get free food, had to perform miracles, but they were not interested in him. Now, one group wanted to stay with him, while the other group wanted to leave him. When they heard the part about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, now that last bit was way too much of a commitment for them. Only the group that is willing to drink his blood and to eat of his flesh that will have the spiritual strength to make it in this critical hour that you and I are placed in. Now, as someone, I'm talking about myself, who has had the tremendous privilege and honor to serve believers, believers in Jesus, but that they were living in a nation closed and hostile to the gospel, eventually we had to come around to the difficult topic of talking about what it might be like if one is captured, tortured, and killed. So many of our brothers and sisters have experienced this in countries that are not free to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as for me, I have no idea what my personal end will be like. I could go to be with Jesus so many different ways. I could be peacefully in my bed, as I hoped for, or the exact opposite. My life, if God wills it, could be suddenly and brutally snatched from me. I don't wish that for myself, but I don't know. I can't tell you how I'm gonna how I'm gonna go. I could be raptured, or it could be something ugly just before I leave planet Earth. However, in any case scenario, just like I told my brethren in closed nations. And I've been in two of the largest ones. God assures his children, love and serve him, that to be absent from the body 
is to be present with the Lord. So whether I go peacefully from my bed or, or, or somebody removes my head, I know absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But how can I say that so calmly? I've not experienced that yet. I'm not living in those nations. I've been to some of those nations. I've spoken very closely and intimately with some of the people that have to make that kind of a commitment. Guess what? Guess what? You and I, even though we live in free, quote, unquote, free nations, nations that are still open, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to make that choice. If we're put to the test, we do not deny the Lord Jesus. This is not some kind of commitment that God only demands of those living in harsh and hostile nations or terrorist nations. He's asking the same commitment of you and of me. So we have to settle it in our spirit and in our hearts and in our minds that if it were ever to come to that, that we will be challenged and be asked the question, are you going to deny Christ? and live in your physical body for a short period of time? Or are you willing to be martyred because you identify with Jesus and to be immediately taken in the presence of the Lord? Now, when I, I couldn't really look at some of the pictures that I saw, where I saw, I literally have a little video of some of the brethren in Africa uh, Afghanistan um, and what happened to some of them. I actually have a little video of that. It was horrific. I couldn't even look, I couldn't look past maybe like two seconds and I just had to stop. Even though the video I have doesn't even last for like 40 seconds, but I couldn't even watch past two seconds. But, but then I realized that when they lost their lives physically, they immediately were taken presence of the Lord. And, and, and I believe, brothers and sisters are listening to this broadcast, they were able to make that swift transition because they had been in a place, listen to me good, where they were drinking his blood and eating his flesh. And because of them continually, and I, I don't mean just, you know, taking the Lord's Supper on a daily basis, but I mean they were spiritually drinking in his word, applying all of the wonderful things that Jesus provided through his shed blood. They were applying that to themselves constantly. 
they were constantly, you know, eating from Jesus, drinking from Jesus, taking in, digesting his word, constantly filling themselves up with his word, chewing on his word, living on his word, of his word, consuming his word, speaking his word to each other, singing his word. That I believe, I was not there, obviously, but I believe they were so filled with his word that when those terrorists did whatever they did to them, They were more consumed with God, with Jesus, with the life that is in his flesh and in his blood, that they made an easy transition from here to his presence. If you are depending on your government, God forbid. If you're depending on a government that is ungodly, that does so many things in direct opposition to a holy God, if you think that your government loves you for you and has your best interest at heart, you are very, very deceived. And I mean whatever government you belong to in the natural. The only government that you want to be under and you want to give you want to give your allegiance to is the government of God. The only one that's going to help us in the day that we're living in. This is not the time for cute sermons. This is not the time for something light and fluffy, empty, that cannot help you. What I just shared with you is completely from his word. This is what's going to help you to succeed in this hour that you and I are in. I invite you to do as the Lord is leading me to do. Partake a lot more. Eat a lot more of his flesh. Drink his blood. Yes, I I think it's a good thing for us to take the Lord's Supper. As often as we can, we should take it. But but do more than just uh, drinking the wine that symbolizes the blood of Jesus. And, and do more than just eat that matzah or, or that cracker that symbolizes his body that was broken for you and for me. Do more than that. Do more than just, you know, habitually taking and partaking the Lord's Supper. Eat Jesus. Eat his flesh. Drink his blood. Let it become part of who 
you are. Be so filled with his flesh and so full of drinking his blood that in these days that we are already embarked on, we will make an easy, effortless transition whenever the Lord comes and calls for us, whether we're raptured or whether in whatever way. But it won't be, you know, screaming and fighting and pulling. You can notice none of those people that were martyred were screaming or fighting or, you know, you know, were just there like lambs. Because you know that they were soon going to be in the presence of Almighty God. That's how you and I have to live. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, help us, help us more of you, to eat more of you, to be filled with more of you, so that you, you are all that we know. I mean, you're everything that we know. God, I pray for every man, every woman that does not know you will just bow their head in total submission to you and let your Holy Spirit come in so that they might have your life and begin their journey in full surrender to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Wow. That hour is gone. The Lord loves you so much. He has so many wonderful things in store for you. But the secret is you've got to be full of him. Be filled with him. Until next Sunday, this is your sister Pearl. God loves you so much. I love you, but he loves you so much better. Have a wonderful week. Get in the word of God and just partake of him and his word in Jesus' name. Until next time, bye-bye.